Ladies and gentlemen, sit back and get comfortable. But not too comfortable. It's the WCHL Podcast with WCHL Commissioner Christopher Perry and Andrew Majorkirk. Well, alrighty then. Hey, this is the WCHL podcast. I am the Commissioner Christopher Perry, and we don't have Andrew on this podcast. That's because we have a very special guest. Let's get right to it. It's the Utah General Manager, A.J. Bolden. Here we go. Hey, this is the WCHL podcast. I am the Commissioner Christopher Perry, and it is my absolute pleasure and joy to have on as a guest on this edition of the podcast, the general manager for the University of Utah Skate and Utes, Mr. A.J. Bolden. A.J. Bolden, say hello to the people. Hello, hello, everybody. We've been having fun trying to get everything connected. Obviously, a craptastic podcast with suboptimal technical expertise, but we're finally on thanks to uh, uh, Bluetooth. What is what is the Bluetooth? What is that? Is that King Arthur or King somebody or other? Any idea what I'm talking uh, about? Yes, I do. Uh, but I'm going to actually have to look it up because it's. Uh, I think it's a Danish. Harold, King Harold. There we go. There we go. The King of Denmark and Norway. All right, AJ. Well, hey, this is a special occasion. I don't know if you know this, but you know, the next time you come on, I'm going to have to get you a jacket because I believe this is the fourth time that you've appeared on the ACA, the WCHL podcast. Wow. Uh, I know, I know. We had you on uh, in 2020. I, I saw when uh, we, it was Utah was coming into the conference, and then we had you on twice in 2021, once to give predictions. And now a fourth time. So I think the way it is with SNL, uh, I'm going to have to get you like a, a red suede jacket or something. If Let's you come go. on the fifth time. Yeah. <laughs> the, pro- the problem is, AJ, I'm going to have it with an ACHA patch on it like Andy Storrs. So hey, you, you'll, have, you'll have to wear that around the rink. <laughs> anytime. Right. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> All right, AJ. Listen, we, we, we don't want to hammer people over the head with uh, with your background too much. Originally from Minnesota, uh, a fan of the Twins and the Wild and uh, all things Minnesota. Yeah, I think uh, that's accurate. I support the Vikings because my father supports the Vikings, but as we all know, they been a while since they've been to the super bowl yeah yeah fran Tar- so you're saying your dad was around for the uh supported them back in the fran tarkington days and who was the uh here i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to google bud this grant too. bud grant was the coach who though was the um was the 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 defensive lineman for the vikings who went on to become a uh, supreme court justice alan page there you go. There you go. Yeah, the Vikings, yeah, big time. All right. Um, what about the Timberwolves? Uh, I'll support them, but basketball is really not my thing, and that's the, the chagrin to my father. I remember one time he, when I was really getting into hockey, he said, why couldn't you just uh, play basketball? Because then all I have to do is buy shoes. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm a goalie. So he was uh, throwing up his arms in, in 
frustration with all the goalie gear that we would always have to buy. <laughs> he he wanted to just buy a pair of, of, of Chuck Taylors and not all these uh, pads and uh, sticks and the gigantic bags and masks, huh? Exactly. Poor dad. <laughs> does he still feel that way to this day or is he okay with your decision now oh i think he we definitely converted him to, to a hockey fan and right. i think he might have one of the longest uh streaks for the minnesota high school hockey tournament he's had season tickets for 30 plus years and really goes every year uh with or without me and uh he he makes it a thing now the Minnesota High School hockey tournament—that's the one with the uh, with the all hair team, isn't it? Oh yeah. Now tell tell me a little bit about. I don't know anything about Minnesota uh, other than they have a gorgeous airport with a store dedicated to the artist known as Prince. Um, but that's all I know about the airport or about Minneapolis. So tell me about um, Minnesota and this hair thing. Well, the Minnesota High School Hockey Tournament is, don't quote me exactly on this, but it's one of the largest, if not the largest, high school tournament uh, of any sport in the country. Yeah. And I think the only thing that it rivals uh, is high school football in Texas. And every year, uh, <clears throat> Twin Cities turns into high school hockey town or the metro area, if you will, and all these high schools descend on the Excel Energy Center, and for four or five days, it's just nothing but high school hockey, uh, and you know legends are made there. And uh, I would say in the early knots, there was, and it could be before that. I just remember the YouTube video starting uh, in the mid knots about the high school hair because they do the player introductions and. Uh, Channel 45, I think, does all the broadcast for the high school tournaments, and somewhere along the way, they turned into a, uh, turned into a tradition. And nowadays, you know, the high schools that make it, the players, they really do it up with their hair and uh, make it a thing. And if you don't believe me, just YouTube it, and you will be amazed. It is definitely a thing, and yes, YouTube <laughs> it, and. Yeah, and, and just bask in the glory of all that lettuce, huh? Exactly. I'm telling you, wow, uh, what a thing. One thing that I will mention about Minnesota is another thing that I did with my father, hockey-wise, is we went to the very last North Star game, uh, which uh, occurred. Their, their facility was called the Met Center. It was in Bloomington, which is just about across the street from the Minneapolis airport. And I remember at the time, I've never seen so many grown men cry and they all brought tool chests with them. Yeah. And after the game, it was against Chicago. I can't remember who won or not, but, uh, all these, all these people busted out their, their, their wrenches and they ripped the seats out of the Met center. Uh, a week later they imploded the Met center. And a week after that, they started the mall of America. So if you've ever been to the mall of America, you were, quite literally on the ground that the, the North stars used to play on. <laughs> how many, uh, how many uh, seats, chairs, uh, other fixtures from the Met center? Did you and your dad uh, walk away with that evening? I don't recall actually taking one. I don't think if it was illegal or, or whatnot, but it was, it was one of those things that was very much seared into my memory. 
Wow. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. That's uh, that's wild. All right. <laughs> kind of, kind of. I guess your dad maybe uh, maybe he'll gift you one of those chairs if he took one uh, years <laughs> later, huh? Yeah. And just looking up the the Wikipedia article on the Met Center, it stood from 1967 to 1993 and seated 15,000 people for the Minnesota North Stars. Isn't that crazy? Because I remember 1993, and, and don't don't hate me for this, attending the Anaheim, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim at the Dallas Stars in December of 1993 um, at Reunion Arena in the Stars' first year down there. And wow. and the I, the big thing, well, I, I only know that because it was my birthday and my my then girlfriend now wife uh we we made a weekend of it and i was impressed because the 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 ducks the mighty ducks of anaheim at the time brought all the disney characters with them so we're literally on the road uh at the reunion arena down in dallas for the new the dallas south stars if you want to call them that and the visitors <laughs> brought all the mascots, Goofy and Mickey and Donald, and all of them were there. So it was uh, crazy. Wow. So 1993 was when the move happened, huh? Yes, and that's when Minnesota went on a seven-year hiatus of NHL uh, teams, and we finally got the Wild back, I think, in 2000. Now, do you still give a rip about the Dallas Stars, or are they just gone and they're out of your memory and it's all wild all the time now? Oh, I'm definitely a wild fan, but to be clear, uh, I think I mentioned this to you when we were down in Dallas, uh, when one of our favorite people, Matt Coma, uh, was there, he's a Dallas fan and I take every opportunity to remind him that his NHL team was my stolen team. So I (laughs) don't miss a beat giving him grief about that. Good, good. Well, I just remember Mike Madonna got his start up there in Minnesota and then became a legend down in Dallas and... Yeah. love them and uh yeah interesting there's a lot of a lot of history and and just again going back to basketball obviously i'm in oklahoma city and know a little bit about stolen teams with the seattle supersonics that are now the oklahoma city thunder so uh yeah we there you go we try to we try to acknowledge the history without rubbing it into the into the, the salt into the seattle's wounds too much so yeah for sure aj how long have you been the gm at university of utah hockey Oh, wow. Uh, 2007 or 8, somewhere in there. Okay. So 15, 16 yeah. years. And at Very the long to- time. <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, again, I'm not trying to pour salt in anybody's wounds here, AJ. I don't want to oh, no, it. it's good. It's good. You, you, you amaze me, though, because, and we've talked about this before, not only are you the general manager for the ACHA Men's One team, but you have many, 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 many hats that you wear. Um, you, the, you're the GM for the, uh, Utah D2 team, men's division two. You're the general manager for the Utah women's one team. You're also the commissioner for the PAC eight conference, which is a men's division two conference. Is there anything else that, that I forgot? Oh, and you have a real job, uh, at the university of Utah. You're some, uh, nuclear physicist run a chemical computer lab or something like that. Top secret. Don't ask what his job is. It's just at the university and he needs a card to get into his building. So <laughs> what, what else do you do? I mean, do you, 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 do you ever sleep? I, I struggle with the sleep thing. 
Uh, and just to be clear, I want to make sure that everybody knows that we actually have a, a very esteemed uh, woman uh, named Amy Frost. She handles the, the general manager duties for the women's program, but I am the, the president of the, the organization and handle the day-to-day of the men's side. So don't want to leave, uh, leave Amy hanging on that because she's been doing a killer job with that over the last couple of years. All right. All right. But you, <clears throat> you still have some involvement, don't you? Oh yeah. We work collaboratively as best we can. And Amy is also, uh, uh has a day job. So it's a labor of love and we can, uh, swap out positions anytime and fill in to help where we're necessary and life happens to all of us. And, you know, sometimes it happens, uh, when it's the least convenient and that's the best part about having, uh, good, uh, great coworkers and, and great, uh, professional people throughout the, throughout the program. And with, with the three teams, it's, it's incredible, uh, the amount of work that's required, but also the, uh, the amount of success we have with our student athletes and trying to make sure that they can navigate school and get good grades and, you know, for the out-of-staters coming in, navigating uh, tuition and uh, residency and the dorms, uh, things like that. You know, that's where uh, w- what Amy and I call the front office come into play. And uh, we do a, do our very best to make sure that there are student-athletes can come in and just have fun and, and focus on school and, and hockey. How many uh, how many student athletes are involved in the Utah program, both for the men's side and the women's side? How many student athletes have, total? Yeah, eighty four student athletes that play, and then over the last eighteen months, we've also developed a <clears throat> internship program for sports media and broadcasting uh, with the communications department, and that has been another. 12 to 15 students. And so the amount of students involved in the organization is well north of a hundred. Wow. wow. <clears throat> well, now I think we've talked before about this communications intern business, but, but help me out. What is it? What's the goal or, or what is it that, that university of Utah hockey provides for those uh, communications interns? And what is it those interns provide for, Utah hockey. And I'm not, I don't want you to get into any sort of granular detail, but just kind of a, a basic overview as the quid pro quo as to what Utah hockey and that internship uh, look like. Of course. Well, the, the goal of the program is to train students who want to get involved with sports and media uh, and in a real world, world setting. Uh, think photography, think social media, think design, graphics, broadcast, all of the above. Uh, our internship provides real-world experience for that. It also includes uh, special events and the group planning uh, efforts. Uh, a great example of that is specialty jersey nights that we do. Uh, back in earlier in the month, we had on Veterans Day our Mark Weiss Memorial uh, game. Uh, for those of you who don't know Mark, he was a Navy SEAL that played for Utah Hockey back in 2011, and we lost him on Veterans Day 2017. And so we work with the Navy SEALs uh, and the Navy SEAL Foundation to 
raise funds and we do that uh, all in, in Mark's name. Uh, and point is we have a specialty jersey that we design and we wear and we, we auction off and it raises funds for, for those uh, those brave humans that, that protect us. And then we also have uh, a breast cancer fundraiser and we also have a brain cancer fundraiser uh, coming up in January uh, to help support one of our goalies who was diagnosed uh, with brain cancer in 2021. And that's uh, our dear friend, Patrick O'Donnell. Uh, he just uh, met with uh, the San Diego Gulls and uh, I think it was the, the Ducks as well. Uh, so we're doing our best to keep uh, the funds rolling for these, these programs and uh, back and we, we, we do that in their names, but we also work with the students trying to find again, real world examples uh, to get them the jobs that they want to do. And uh, we, I can't claim a whole lot of credit for this because most of these guys are really talented, but uh, Nick D'Alessandro who worked for the ACHA national broadcast a couple of years ago uh, down in Dallas and in Columbus, he was a central Michigan uh, graduate. Uh, he ended up coming out to Utah. Uh, he worked for the team for a year and now he works for the Utah jazz uh, Matt Coma went through the comm department here at the university. He worked for Channel 2 for a very long time and uh, ended up winning an actual Emmy Award no for his sports broadcasting. Yeah. Wow. And so that is always our goal is to, to place these people uh, and these students in high caliber jobs. And we do our very best to take what limited means we have and give them real world experience and it's funny, just a photographer will come in and very capable photographer and just the speed of the game of hockey changes the calculus and they have to figure out how to shoot it, how to edit it uh, and things like that. So it's a, it's a long process and trying to find the proper investment for gear, uh, infrastructure, things like that. That stuff takes time. But for the most part, we do a pretty good job of throwing uh, students into the deep end of either broadcast or sports media creation. And I think in the next 12 months, we're really going to uh, find our legs, if you will. And I think we're, we're, we're poised to start delivering a lot of really good content. Very nice. Very nice. Now, these kids that are part of the university uh, or the intern program, do, do they get college credit through the university, I guess? Yes, sir. So they... They, they get to decide how many hours they're going to dedicate and work for the team. We work with uh, the comm department, make sure that they get the proper credit and proper references. And they, the, the thing that I really enjoy about it is allowing the students to kind of find their niche. So uh, as most people know, first-time jobs, internships, you often get thrown into coffee duty or uh, the task that nobody wants to do, but that's not what we do with, with our sports media stuff. We really take some time, try to get to know the students and make sure that they start and engage in, in activities that interest them and they want to learn in order to move on to, uh, in, into their professional world. And the one thing that I completely forgot to mention is we also do a lot of sports writing, um, game recaps, 
uh, game analysis and things like that. So uh, it's been it's been great, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing where this goes. Very nice, very nice. Wow, and and the internship. I'm going to presume it's not just focused on men's one; it's focused on all three Utah teams. Of course, and that's another thing that we allow uh, our students to focus on is they might focus on M two or or W one. Uh, so yeah, it, it's we definitely share the love, and certain certain teams have more staff than than M one does. So it just it just depends. You've been uh, Utah has been a men's Division one team since 2016, and you've been part of the best conference in the ACHA for the past what two or three years now? I think it is three years since 2021. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, th- tell me, tell me so far. Uh, you've 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 seen since you've been involved with uh, Utah hockey since 2006, 2007. You said. Um, the, and I'm sure we've hit on this before, but just give me the, the reader's digest thumbnails version, uh, the growth of Utah hockey and what the changes that you've seen from men's division two to men's division one. And then as an independent men's one into now a conference member at men's division one. Sure. I think short version, uh, there's always a, a bigger fish in a, in a bigger pond. And we learned that quite, quite quickly moving from, from M2 to M1. And, uh, we were very fortunate to, to finally end up in the WCHL a couple of years ago, uh, and being able to compete with the, the best teams, uh, in the country. And the thing that stands out to me, uh, probably the most is in the WCHL where every game matters, there's no, ability to have a letdown and when mistakes are made, you know, you have to live and learn from those mistakes. But, uh, as an independent, we were able to kind of pick and choose, uh, maybe let's, let's have a off weekend here or play a weaker team there. But, you know, 20 games out of our schedule are, are very, very important. And what I've really enjoyed about the, the M1 transition to the conference is having the the rivalry start to build and it's always fun to to play UNLV or Colorado or uh central Oklahoma the first time we got to play them was last year and we'll we're visiting them again in the spring uh, along with Oklahoma and so starting to, to to see these teams year in and year out and uh really get to enjoy those types of rivalries because they they just have a different feel uh, to anything that's non-conference. And uh, even with the non-conference games at Division One, they're so, so important. And we were fortunate enough to, to head to Michigan this year and play some very good Calvin and GBSU teams. And seeing how, you know, the, the cross-pollinization of how a program operates, game operations versus, you know, what we do out here in the West is always a, a, a plus as well. And so, yeah, I think that was kind of a long-winded answer, Chris. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Hey, that was great. You, you, you led me into. That um, was a nice little segue because I was going to point out your seven, six, and two with a, in terms of a men's division one record right now, ranked number twenty, um, and you've played your first eleven games on the road, including those three games you just <laughs> talked about in Michigan. So, yeah. I guess. 
what what's that like part of, i i realize i mean you have a you have a terrible commissioner who who gives a schedule but he put you on the road for the first well eight of those 11 games um now i realize that you have you have some building issues because you're you're the salt lake city sports complex is right next door to what is it rice eccles football stadium where the university of utah plays football that is correct and so that's what led to some games getting switched around here and being on the road to avoid some football conflicts um but what what's that like to be road warriors for basically the first two months of the season now that it's over, it's great, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was definitely a challenge and we knew it was going to be. And, you know, just to be clear, we're not the only ones that have uh, facility issues. I know, I think the ASU series got swapped as well because, uh, the coyotes are in uh, mullet arena and we had to switch some games because of the NCAA program or whatever. I can't recall the details, but we're not the only ones suffering from, you know, bigger fish in our barn. Uh, but the, the road, the road trips were, were tough and five weeks in a row, uh, I think was a drain. And luckily we were able to be very efficient with everybody's time. And, uh, we were able to, to leverage, uh, the services of Southwest quite heavily, uh, making sure that we weren't spending 40 hours a week on a bus was, was very nice, uh, going to and from Phoenix a couple of times and, and uh, things like that. So luckily uh, it's over. We, I think finished 500 on the road and in our, in our division, you want to win every game, but if you can walk out of a road series with a, with a split, that's always a good thing. Yep. That's the truth. And then uh, you've since been home for the last four games. You've uh, you split with the university of Colorado when you just had uh, Arizona in and you swept Arizona for a pair of games. Um, so I, I guess, I mean, fair to say you, you are sitting, you only have 10 games left in your schedule remaining, but, um, I'm sorry, you have uh, 13 games, but 10 of those 13 are at home. You only have one more road trip left. Yeah. Other than than going to nationals. Yeah. Other than going (laughs) to nationals. Right. So yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Very, very nice. You have, um, well, and, and you have San Diego State coming in this week. Um, what about the men's two and the women's one? How does you were talking about balancing, um, you know, school and a and a schedule, but we're focusing on just the the men's one team. How, you have two other teams that are playing in the same facility. How does how will that work? Or were were the women and the men's two were they at home while the men's one was on the road all the time, or were they also road warriors? Uh, University of Utah as a whole was pretty road centric during the fall, and that was there was a few components to that. The, the majority being the football schedule, and for those of you who haven't been to sports complex again it shares a parking lot that uh football uses for tailgating so the the ice is always running but nobody could get into our game so it's just easier for not only hockey program but football not to have hockey uh home games during football home games Uh, but with m2 and, and w1 generally what we try to do is we try to stack games and what i mean by that is on a Friday afternoon, if we have a, a triple header, all three teams will will host on a particular weekend, and then uh, we'll 
you know, depending on the, on the schedule, it might be M2 at one thirty and W1 at four thirty and an M1 at, at seven thirty, And then sometimes it varies. And then the M1 game will be at four thirty in the afternoon on Saturday. Uh, so everybody gets the chance to play prime time. Everybody has to, to, to play a matinee from time to time. Uh, but really what we try to do is, is allow some balance with our staff, our volunteer staff for home games. Uh, it allowed them to, instead of having 12 weekends uh, to deal with uh, during the season, you know, we kind of consolidated it down to six or seven and it can, it can be long days at times, but you know, it's a triple header is, is very doable for our staff and, Oftentimes we'll cycle people in for the matinee and that way people can have some breaks and uh, I, triple header seems to, to work for us. And I think the rink appreciates it because it brings people in, understand what the, the sports complex is about. It's a double sheet facility. It also has uh, an Olympic pool, a 50 meter outdoor pool, or maybe it's a hundred. I don't really recall, but all I know is that it's people clam over the pool and, we also share it with uh, with the figure skaters and the U.S. figure skating teams and the Olympic movements that are going on. And uh, speaking of the Olympics, we just got notified today. I think it's official. We're the official. Hold on, I'm going to look it up real quick. Okay. Uh, we are <clears throat> the. Front runner for the 2034 Olympics, wow. and oh, okay. The the language is now the preferred location for the 2034 Olympics, <laughs> and we've been waiting, trying to figure out if it was going to be the 2030 or the 2034. But as of today, Salt Lake Tribune has announced Salt Lake City as the preferred location for the 2034 games. And that's the Winter Olympics. That's correct. And to remind everybody, the 2002 Olympics were here. Uh, at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. Uh, the Rice Eccles Stadium, which you already mentioned, Chris, was the opening and closing ceremonies. And all of this, the facilities that they built for the Olympics, including the rink that we exi- or we run our program out of, uh, are here partly in uh, because of the Olympics. The um, let, let, let me ask about that because that the the 2002 Olympics had a had a great impact on on Salt Lake City infrastructure, if you will, and the surrounding areas because the rink up in Ogden, where Weber State plays hockey, that was also used for I believe it was for curling, but it, I, it, was it also used for hockey as well? I think so. I think there was a lot of practice facilities, including the sports complex, the Peaks Ice Arena in Provo. And they also built uh, the speed skating facility out in Kearns. Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was all over the place. So the 2034 Salt Lake Olympics gonna are the at least that's the preferred location right now for the yes, uh, Winter Olympics in 2034. Uh, do you think we're going to be around? That's 11 years from now, AJ. I got no no plans to leave. <laughs> okay hey god willing right god willing yeah. that, that that'd be kind of cool i uh i'd probably mentioned this a couple of times had occasion to be out in salt lake uh prior to the 2002 olympics and got to see a lot of the stuff that was getting built and uh i, I know salt lake has changed a lot from 2000 
well, it was probably 2000, 2001 when I was out there. But uh, I know it's changed a lot um, between uh, then and now. But uh, I'm, I'm sure in the next 11 years, it'll change even more with some uh, killer venues uh, being, whether it's being updated or, or being built. Because uh, that, that, the, the Olympics is uh, it's a huge investment, especially for the outdoor facilities. Sure. Yeah. Ski I think what, yeah. what made uh, Salt Lake so unique uh, from what I've been told and what I've read is every, every venue has been in continual use since the Olympics back in 20, 2002. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of upgrades, but I don't know. Again, I'm not, uh, I'm just a, a fan in this, in this scenario, but the, the venues themselves have been in use and, will just continue to be in use and improve. So it's not like we went out and built a stadium and now it, it was tore down, right? So everything that was there is still there and whether or not we get added to or, or whatnot is, is up to the Olympic committee. But I do, uh, I have, t- I have heard some interesting things about Olympic hockey, it's, uh, about Chris, and yeah. I've heard that the Olympics, they might be moving to NHL size. Have you heard anything about this NHL uh, size rinks? I have not, but that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, it certainly would. Yeah, so there might be <clears throat> a, a, a change, a modification coming to the Salt Lake City Sports Complex, is what you're saying? That I can't say. I just love the idea of of the Olympics playing on the same side or the same type of, of rink as uh, the athletes are currently playing on, and I think the where I read this originally was when I think Mariucci arena has recently completed, uh, a resize down to NHL and, uh, for the university of Minnesota. Yep. They did. Yep. I, I saw that and they're there instead of being, uh, what, what's Olympic size, it's 200 by 100 instead of 200 by Correct. 85. And yep. if I remember right, I think uh, Mariucci went to like 200 by 87 or something. It's not 85, but it's also not no longer Olympic. Something weird. Yeah. Wild. Maybe that had to do with the facilities itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's plus it's Minnesota, right? I mean, come on. Now, do you, <laughs> being a Utah, a Utah, you, do you still uh, root for the Gophers or, or do you have, or are you just professional Minnesota all the way and the rest of it can go kick rocks your Utah pack 12 pack eight skating Utes a hundred percent. For NCAA hockey, I have a, Spot in my heart for the Gophers. Okay. Uh, also have a also for uh, University of Minnesota Duluth, and then just because I mean your good friend Greg Powers uh, was always very kind to me in my early career with ACHA hockey, so I uh, can always root for for the Sun Devils as well in their NCAA endeavors. Oh, well, listen to you sucking up to the to Mister Big Time himself there. <laughs> hey, they're doing hey, well, huh? He, yeah, well, I think uh, anybody that'll answer your call, I think, is a friend. Damn right, damn right. And Mr. Big Time, even though he's uh, number 12 or number 13 in the nation, he still uh, he still pays attention to the ACHA and what's going on. He's, uh, he he's, he's a very good friend. Well, tell me, AJ, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, Utah hockey because one of the things that I always get a kick out of uh, is the fact that you – take your team on the road for a training camp and you go to some nice exotic place where they also have held 
winter olympics in the past you've gone to like sun valley idaho or you've gone to lake tahoe well tell, tell me what tell me what's the thinking there what was why not just have training camp right there at the salt lake city sports complex why do you go on the road and go to these exotic places okay <laughs> very good question uh and we've only ever gone to McCall, Idaho for Utah hockey training camp. Okay. Uh, we went to the pack eight tournament used to be held at Lake Tahoe. Uh, so that's, that's the reason why the program has been to both arenas. Uh, but I think it's all from lessons learned for us. We first time we did the training camp, we did it up in park city and the student athletes had, they, they weren't able to wait or get away from their distractions of, of life and girlfriends and, and whatnot. So uh, after mixed reviews on that, we decided to find a nice, decent rink that would host us. And we made the call up to, to John up in McCall, Idaho. And he's like, absolutely come on up. Uh, and the only reason I knew about that is way back when um, this was before Utah, the university of Utah to, excuse me, University of Utah joined the Pac-12 and Utah Hockey joined Pac-8. There was a tournament between Washington State, uh, University of Utah, probably Boise, uh, and some other teams up in McCall, Idaho. And so I had remembered that rank from way back when. And so when we started training camp, I'd have to look up the year, but uh, it was just, a good friend and we called him up and said, Hey, we're coming. And he's like, that's great. And you know, what's, what's fun is that rink is across the street from, from the lake there in McCall and they have junior teams come in for, for exhibition games. I think the ECHL team uh, from Boise also ventures up there from time to time. And so it's, it's got a reputation for a, a good environment. And what's awesome is we go there the week before school uh, so we can focus on the team and uh, get some systems done, get you know a few bag skates in. And uh, the teams are really formed by the time that we're back for the first day of class. And uh, it's just been a, a huge, huge move for us. And I'm not sure you could find a student athlete who, who's gone through the program who didn't value it. And all three teams, this isn't just men's one, but all three teams go to McCall? That's correct. Impressive, impressive. And and does the town come out? Or, or have you converted uh, the the town of McCall, Idaho, to uh, uh, to Utah Utes fans? I would say that we get a lot of fans that come in, and they're like, "When do we get to watch your games?" And we have to break the news that we're only there for you know three or four days, and we've never we've never sent. Uh, we haven't had games up in McCall for quite some time, but I think we can add that to the to the to do list. To the, to Thank the you for the suggestion. To the wish list, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to add more to your plate. Hey, uh, it's all good. You you just had Arizona in, and you said it was, um, uh, and you you also had some home games there for for your Veterans Day weekend with the specialty jerseys. But you just had uh, University of Arizona into your facility. And you hosted them, and that was part of the Beehive Showcase or the Beehive Classic. Is it the Beehive Showcase or Classic? 
I think uh, I think the hockey version is the showcase, and I think the the basketball teams in Utah have the Beehive Classic. If I remember my marketing terms correctly. So tell tell us a little bit about the Beehive Showcase because originally that was a men's division two thing and you now because of your efforts with utah to expand beyond men's division two you've incorporated all three levels of utah hockey into the beehive showcase that is correct and so we have to credit uh former head coach john eccles and our current acha m2 commissioner uh who started the beehive uh back in the day and what it's turned into is a men's division two showcase that uh, usually invites 12 out of state teams to play the four in state division two teams. And so uh, anytime that we get to host it, uh, our M2 team gets four games out of the deal. And our, we've just added the, and layered on the M2, excuse me, the M1 and the women's one. Uh, games to it as well. So our whole goal is to grow the sport, get as many fans in as we can, uh, see the different layers of, uh, or the different levels of hockey. And what's been helpful is being able to show the high school kids and anybody else that's around for the weekend, you know, there is a place to play no matter what academic goals you have. If it's at Utah or Utah state or, um, any of the other visiting schools, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a home for you in the ACHA with its 500 ish teams across the five divisions. And, uh, I'm, I'm very happy with, with the result of John Eccles work. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to expand it to the other divisions. And what's unfortunate for us is we never really know if we're going to be able to host those games until our football schedule comes out and, uh, hopefully that soon with uh, Utah's move to the Big 12. <laughs> you know, I was just down in Dallas. I should have stopped by the uh, Big 12 office and popped in to see the commissioner and said, "Hey, uh, you know, let's let's hurry up on the schedule business." <laughs> so yeah, that'd be awesome. You said you got four ACHA men's two teams in Utah. There's Utah, Utah State, Weber State. Who's the fourth? Utah Valley. Utah Valley. Okay, I keep forgetting yeah. about those. And guys. we used to have five when BYU was a program. Uh, does BYU really count? I mean, come on, you're, you're from the University of Utah. Isn't isn't BYU like your hated rival? They are definitely our rival. I can't I can't imagine uh, hating anybody, but uh, it was always fun to play BYU on the rink. They, uh, I just a football team that I pay attention to recently traveled to uh, Brigham Young, and they had nothing but great things to say about uh, Provo, but also about Salt Lake and the University of Utah. They were just stunned with the with the landscape. Do you ever? I, I I had relatives that lived in Colorado Springs, and I was visiting, and I said, "How do you wake up every morning and not just stand with your jaw, you know, dropped on the, on your knees?" looking at these mountains every day and they go, Oh, we just take it for granted that it's there. Do you ever, you know, just take it for granted that, you know, you've got this beautiful scenery like right outside your door. I don't ever take it for granted, but when I appreciate it the most is when I'm in, when I head home for the holidays and get to spend it in the cold white North, uh, and just see snow and blizzard everywhere instead of snow on the mountains. And, it's uh it is impressive. Salt Lake is a very lovely town and uh 
it's known as small lake city for the locals and it's just it's just an awesome place to be very nice very nice tell me this aj um you're sitting 20th in the uh, acha men's division one rankings the again with a with an ACHA men's worth a computer ranking or a computer a record for computer purposes of seven six and two. If nationals were to happen today, Utah is going to men's division one nationals. That has to be uh, exciting for you. It's very much exciting, and it's something we've been working for for a couple of years. And you know, you put a beer in me, I might uh, <clears throat> I might <laughs> share some frustrations with how we've been bumped in, in years past, but that's behind us. And, uh, <laughs> we're looking forward to, to making some noise, uh, in St. Louis this year. You, you mentioned it for the past two years, Utah has been the, one of the teams that's been bumped out by auto bids. Is that, am I right? I thought it was Utah and Arizona you are State correct. for the past two years have both been bumped from nationals. Yep. And now Very frustrating, but yeah, and now your 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 wonderful commissioner of this terrible conference out west went to bat, and ex- nationals has been expanded to twenty four. So hopefully that won't happen this season. Agreed. Yeah, good. and I I don't think we've, and this is where your expertise will come in. But uh, I know the the new northern conference that Minot and Jamestown are are part of that doesn't go into. To, to place until next year is that correct um well let's let's talk about that you're talking about mch midwest college hockey which is already in existence it has an auto bid so it it's already in place this year but they okay. just recently announced uh the gl6 um uh, hl i think it's called out of michigan because that great lakes league is breaking up into two the the okay. supposed better teams are leaving the lesser teams behind um, so the kicker there is the that new conference for the first season, uh, which will be next year, will not have an auto bid. Um, not that they'll need it because they have Adrian, Davenport, Grand Valley State, Calvin. Sure. Um, but for that first year, it will not have an auto bid. Now, the Great Lakes League that's left behind, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Oakland, Toledo, and then new addition Saginaw Valley State and Northwood that will already have because its conference exists that will have an auto bid, and there may be a sure. bump there. Sure. So. Well, remind me because um, I'll have to answer this question again from our fans. But when when an auto bid comes into place and how it can bump a a, a team out. Can you remind us how that works? Well, sure. Let's let's see if I can. Uh, right now, we have 24 teams, and the the way it works is if you're ranked 24th or higher, you've qualified for nationals unless a team that has an auto bid that falls outside of that 24 um, wins their conference auto bid. And if that's the case, then a team, let's say um, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, wins the terrible philadelphia um you know what uh hey let's 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 talk turkey here you know what because i got a sneak peek and i got a way too early look let's call it that at the nationals how it looks right now oswego state plays in that terrible new york league 
Um, and they are not. Oswego State right now is ranked. That terrible New York League is the worst league. They're ranked number 30. So if Nationals were held today, Oswego State would bump a team out of the 24. Um, Indiana, Pennsylvania, uh, from that Pittsburgh League, w- is ranked number 34. They would bump a team. So teams 23 and 24 would get bumped for these for uh, the, the winner of the Pittsburgh League and the winner of the New York League. Currently, the winner of the terrible Philadelphia League is Westchester, and they're ranked number 23. So they would, since they're in the 24, they're not bumping anybody. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So what that means, since two teams are getting bumped in 23, number 23 is already in there. That means that teams 24 and 22 would get bumped, which in this instance, let's take a look at the at the rankings. That would mean that Michigan-Dearborn and Iowa State would get bumped. Okay. So... So that, that's that's the way it works. Um, and th- again, there are teams that uh, award their their auto bid, their conference auto bid to playoff champions. There are teams that award their conference auto bid to regular season champions. Conferences have to announce that intent uh, prior to the beginning of the season. And I think we have eight conferences, and six of the eight give their auto bid to the conference playoff champion. So. We're always hoping for uh, you know for things to go scratch um, with uh, at, at conference playoffs. The Western Collegiate Hockey League, and I believe it is, I believe it's the um, the Philadelphia League. I believe they're the ones that give their 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 conference championship to the regular season champion. They do not award it to any playoff champion. Obviously, for us in the Western League, we don't have a playoff. Right. So uh, regular season, so have, that's it. Yep, regular season. Okay. Yep. So there we go. So okay. Well, I'm looking forward to Utah being there. That'll be fun. Now you've already been to Nationals, but you've been there in a uh, working capacity, putting on broadcast. I'd love to see uh, AJ and his. Uh, do you still give your coaches uh, trench coats these days, or do you do you make them wear like puffy jackets or something? You guys are like the best dressed coaching staff on on the uh, in the ACHA men's one. We were with the uh, with the trench coats, uh, but they stopped making them. So this year we had to switch to puffies, and okay. they look great. <laughs> they look great. <laughs> All right. Well, the nice thing is uh, ranked to number twentieth, AJ in ACHA Men's Division One, but in the WCHL right now because you have played twelve conference games, you're number two in the conference. Now, granted that you only have eight games left. And there are other teams, like, for instance, Central Oklahoma has only played six conference games to your 12. But, uh, yeah, you've got six wins, one overtime or shootout win. And that was, what, a, a victory, I think it was, at Arizona State. And then five regular, uh, regular regulation losses in conference for a total of 20 points. You're sitting, you're just right behind Nevada, Las Vegas in second place in the conference for right now. We'll take it, and we still got more games to play. There you go, coming up. Now, let me ask you this, and, and then we'll, we'll get you out of here pretty quickly. Um, the nice thing with A.J. Bolden and Utah Hockey is you have a lot of feelers to the American West in terms of hockey, college hockey uh, contacts. Oregon, San Diego State are two examples of that. They've, 
in recent years moved up to men's division one san diego state in fact next year um on your recommendation for the most part is going to be joining our conference um tell me what you see for i i guess the 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 future of the acha men's division one in the west if put on your crystal ball because right now every men's division one team that's in the west is going to be in our conference except for but for oregon and that's because they're way out in oregon yeah, and they're yes, and, they are, and, and they're kind of uh, having structural organizational issues. So, uh, what what do you see for the future of men's division one in the uh, in the West, according to the AJ Bolden's crystal ball? I only see growth, and I think that's going to happen a lot in the California teams as they uh, grow and possibly move into division one. Uh, I know Arizona's been a hotbed. Uh, and we can't forget about NAU making the move yep. uh, to the WCHL and to men's division one. So congratulations to both uh, San Diego and NAU for the WCHL move. Uh, I just think we have so much growth and so much opportunity uh, when it comes to, to, to college hockey and it's been underrepresented and there's been great, uh, stewards out in the west and i can't wait to see what happens i think uh i mean when you look historically at the acha it's primarily been east of the of the uh, mississippi and you were i can only assume to to be part of the the growth pattern out west with arizona and asu and putting a conference together for them and again i don't i'm not quite sure on the history of that but it's uh I just see opportunity is a short answer. Okay. Very nice. Who's the, um, if we put a, uh, if we, if we, you know, put your hand over the fire there and we said, give us a name or two of a, of a program that's next to make a move. Who, who do you think is, would be that program? I think we'd have to delineate between NCAA hockey and ACHA hockey. Cause you got Ooh. two hotbeds, uh, the, with the Big Ten move with Oregon, excuse me, with Washington and Oregon, and along with USC and UCLA, I think that's ripe for NCAA hockey, but that's not a new or novel idea. And when it comes to the ACHA, I just I hope to see more growth in California, Nevada. Um, I know Idaho has a new team this year, and uh, especially the Montanas. Any of the winter the winter areas, I think, are great and. Who knows what will happen in, in Arizona? I think uh, it's just it's awesome. It's just ex- an exciting time. Okay. All right. Well, look at you. You answered. You split the question into two, and then you answered both of them. I like that. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, and that. obviously, I have to tote uh, toot our own horn when it comes to NCAA hockey. Uh, that's always a goal for University of Utah. But uh, the only reason I mentioned the other ones is because of the the Big Ten move. So, for those athletic directors, I encourage all five of us to, to start thinking NCAA hockey because it would be a very exciting time. And I think there's uh, a lot of opportunities for those programs, not only from the student athlete's point of view, but from uh, the, a revenue side. I just think you got good hockey markets. You should have NCAA hockey. 
I think part of the knocks uh, or part of the concern from traditional athletic departments is the fact that you know hockey is an expensive sport and it would uh, uh, it would take away money from the revenue sports. It would it would you know it would become a non-revenue sport, taking away money from uh, from you know the big football, basketball of the world. Um, and if if anyone cares to to take a look, somebody made that same argument recently regarding Arizona State and Greg Powers, the head coach at Arizona State. We're giving Mr. Big Time an awful lot of love here today. We ought to, you know, maybe maybe we need to send have him send us a check or something for the uh, for all the PR that we're giving him. But he went on a uh, couple of nice little Twitter rants, um, pointing out that Arizona State hockey is uh, is a revenue producing sport at Arizona State and it's uh, only because of the um, forward thinking of their athletic director and their athletic department and they they they're not a drain on current um, well you know on, on football and other sports so uh, anyways if you're if you're interested uh, those the, the, I'm I'm sure those Twitter rants are still out there and just look up uh, ASU coach Powers on Twitter and You'll see those there. It's uh, it's interesting. I I know for from from my personal experience here at a very big uh, uh, collegiate athletic institution that that was the mindset, and that I think remains the mindset of the athletic department. And it's the uh, you know, hey, this is an expensive sport. Um, you know, you're doing great at the club level. Power to you. Pat on the back. You know, now get out of our out of our way because we've got to feed the football monster. You know, sure. don't, we don't want you cannibalizing any of our donors. So, uh, I, no, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to take somebody with some, uh, with some forward thinking and with an awful lot of money, um, much like Arizona state had to, uh, to make it happen. I wish, I hate to say this, but someone like at the university of Texas that has just money coming out of their ears. Um, you know, if they could, if they would ever make that move, I think they could, uh, I think they could replicate the success that Penn State and Arizona State had, but uh, it's going to take somebody with some uh, with some nerve and with some money, and who's not going to take no for an answer. Completely agree, and the it's not it's not a zero sum game, right? The, all these programs can exist, and hockey is proven itself time and time again to be revenue positive. Uh, and I think from an academic point of view, it's strong. And, you know, people just need to keep an open mind about it because you mentioned Arizona State, you mentioned Penn State. Um, these programs have been very successful and have built powerhouse programs, wonderful facilities. Uh, guy um, out at Penn State and, uh, you know, their program there, that's that's incredible. And I encourage everybody to, to visit Mullet and head over to happy Valley and, and check out a hockey game at Penn state as well. It's, it's an experience. You've mentioned that you've been around, um, the ACHA for a little while, uh, AJ. So help me out here. What's your favorite ACE rink in the ACHA to visit? Not counting the Salt Lake city sports complex. Hmm. It can be a men's too. It can be a women's one rink. It sure. Can, it can also be a non-traditional rink. It could be your, I don't say your McCall, Idaho rink, but, um, <laughs> you know, it could be the, that Lake Tahoe thing where you had your pack eight experience. Sure. Well, there's, there's a kid, there's a few games that that's really stick out in my mind. And, um, 
Uh, Minot has a wonderful, wonderful environment. Their rink is spectacular. They share it with uh, the Minotaurs. Um, and I can't remember which year it was, but it was one of our first two years. Uh, University of Utah M1. We went up, played Minot State. We ended up winning the, the Saturday night game, and it was incredible to win in that barn. Um, and it's just, they, they treat you right. And everything about that program is world-class. Uh, so I, I, I'll give my kudos to them. One rink that I definitely will not miss. And I can't imagine anybody that would disagree with me is at the M2 level and at the M1 level, we always struggled against Arizona state at Oceanside. And I am not going to lose any sleep over the fact that they tore down that building this year because <laughs> our record was terrible in that barn. So it wasn't just because it was the coldest rink in the ACHA. It was because of your, your performance <laughs> in the record there. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what it was, but I did not enjoy Oceanside it wasn't very the, much. It wasn't the short ceiling. It wasn't the asbestos floating in the air. It wasn't the teeny tiny <laughs> locker rooms. It was your record there. Okay. I'm ju- I yeah. just want to make sure that we understand why the ocean uh, is catching such grief. Well, I think for what it's worth, an NCAA program played there for years, and uh, I don't know if, if they would complain about it either, but uh, I'm just I'm not sad to see it go. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, I got two more questions for you, okay? And one of them's a layup. Um, okay. Your, your favorite ACHA commissioner? Oh, my favorite ACHA commissioner? Mm-hmm. Like conference commissioner or division commissioner? Oh, take your pick. I don't care. You just you know, remember, remember you are on the WCHL podcast. and um, Yeah. Yeah, I remember you are in the WCHL. And so, you know, just kind of you know, <laughs> throwing something out there. You yeah. better not say John Eccles. No. I would say Chris Perry and Brian Moran both run excellent ships and we are lucky to have them be the stewards of men's division one. Oh, look at you you're so kind and thoughtful i like that all right yeah and yeah, i didn't one, have to one, you one, at all. one quick aside yeah i i remember a conversation that you and i had a couple years ago regarding uh the east versus west discussion when it came to the acha and i was able to find uh the numbers um, from those and i just i find this to be interesting yeah. and these are numbers from last season by the way but out of the 434 teams that were in the acha last year only 23.3 percent of them are in the west of the mississippi yeah and so i think it's time that uh, the west grows and again this is just dovetailing into the previous discussion with the west and i think we have a uh, not only a lot of physical room to grow, uh, chuckle, chuckle, but also uh, a lot of team growth that we can we can put in place. It's slowly, when I got started in the ACHA back around, the, I don't know, the 02, 03, uh, all of the, the, you know, the power was Pennsylvania, Ohio. That's where all the ACHA power was. And now it's, uh, you know, it's shifting. It's Michigan. Now it's kind of more Illinois. You know, so it's it's, it's slowly, well, give it another 20 years, and uh, we might get to the Rockies by then. The power, the yeah. balance and of the power a, might, might get there. I got a question for you. Uh-oh. Hey, wait a yep. second. This is, this is, this is the W. <laughs> this does not work this way, Counselor. Come on. I asked the questions I here. 
All sure. right. All right. Go, go right ahead. No, no. Go fire. Okay. Fire away. Out of the the three team or the three states. Well, there, let me rephrase. There's only three states west of the Mississippi without ACHA teams. Can you name them? Um, I'm going to say Alaska, Hawaii, and South. Yep, that's it. South Dakota. Yeah. This was, these are last year's numbers, so I don't know if it's changed. Yeah, I couldn't remember if we had a South Dakota State, if they'd started up yet or not, but I knew Alaska and Hawaii. We used to have teams in Alaska, but um, yeah. Can you imagine putting Hawaii in our conference? Holy smokes. <laughs> I hey. think that would be, uh, that might be the only one that can supplant uh, Phil's team for people wanting to go somewhere. Well, you've got Phil. You got Phil Bateman from San Diego State coming to your uh, place this weekend. Care to make any predictions? Yeah. I mean, there nobody listens to this podcast. AJ, eleven people in Springfield, Missouri, the Pope at the Vatican. I've I was told today <laughs> that a hockey coach in Salt Lake City might listen to this podcast. He's he showed me some Spotify records. But other than okay. that, so that's that's what eleven, twelve, thirteen. That's thirteen people. No one's listening. Care to make sure. any uh, well, predictions? Gonna, yeah, Utah goes two and zero on the weekend. Woo! Okay, I like it. I like it. All right, last question. We're going to get you out of here, uh, and it's an okay. open ended question. And man, you, you might you might run with this. You might just kind of chuckle and say, "Yeah, I'll talk to you later." AJ <laughs> Bolden, you get to run the ACHA for a day. What would you do? Whoopta. <laughs> see I, I kind of figured that was some low-hanging fruit there you are you might be able to make some monumental yeah. changes or you might just go yeah not worth the trouble i'm out i think the one thing that i would love the acha to do is standardize things eligibility for all five divisions um things like that yeah. i think from top to bottom we could use some simplification, have the same overtime, the same um, formats for, for game ops, things like that. And the only reason I care about that is because I, then I could have one answer for every question from all three of my teams. But right now I have to, me and Amy have to keep track of the different, different protocols, the different uh, eligibility dates, things like that. It would just be nice if, you know what, ACHA, these are the rules. Um, if you don't like it, then uh, I guess you can choose something else. I like it. I think it makes perfect sense. I know somebody that tried that a long time ago and got uh, shut down. So yeah. someone got sick of the five kings and five different kingdoms and thought, you know what? If we have the same question, it ought to be answered uh, the same way no matter what division we're in. But instead, we're at a place where the same question can be asked and it will get Probably about three or four different answers. Sure. So depending on who you ask, I had a I, I had an instance like that today. As a matter of fact, um, it was an eligibility issue for a young man, and he asked uh, somebody at ACHA headquarters, and they gave him an answer, which was well, I think it's fair to say absolutely one hundred percent incorrect. And then he asked somebody who had some knowledge, and uh, I gave him the right answer. So. Anyways. There you go. Yeah. So okay. So standardization is what what AJ Bolden would do. Yes. If that if I I could accomplish that in one day. 
Anything else? I mean, uh, would you? Inf- let me ask you this: Would you impose ladders for photographers in every ACHA rink? <laughs> uh, might as well, and then maybe uh, maybe Jean would would come back. Uh, <laughs> she's, by the way, pursuing uh, professional education in ice management now. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. You know, that this, if for those uh, that that attended some nationals in Columbus and also in Frisco, we're talking about the young lady who was uh, perpetually seated on top of a ladder overhanging the class, uh, taking pictures. She was a photographer, a great photographer, and uh, yeah. uh, she was affectionately known, at least to me, as Jean Jean the Drinking Machine. Um, <laughs> but uh, now she's going to get into ice management, huh? That's kind of scary. Yeah, well, she's a great dam driver, and she wants to pursue the career. So the last time I saw her, because she's still in the Salt Lake area, yeah, um, and she she drives dam at at the sports complex, uh, but she said that she wants to figure out a way to do it professionally, and I salute her. Power to Jean Jean. That's uh, yeah. good, good for her. Good for her. All right. Well, hey, I'm surprised. I thought you were going to ask for, uh, want to do something in terms of standardizing a broadcast or um, uh, some other things in, in your, um, uh, in your, you know, king for a day scenario. That or, or proper reimbursements, um, you know, things that, you know, that, you know, have needled you in the past. And I, I didn't know if. Sure. Uh, that was going to be on your, but that's just not number one on your hit parade. Those are further down the list. That would might be the second day of King AJ Bolden's reign in the ACHA. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay. But you know, I think everybody would benefit from the standardization of the things and uh, make life easy. Very nice. All right. Well, Hey, this is AJ Bolden, AJ Bolden. We can't appreciate you enough. Um, I can't appreciate you enough. I lean on you for counsel. If people don't know, I lean on uh, a couple of folks within the conference for some good counsel. AJ is one of them. I call them my four horsemen. And uh, I I value our friendship. I know it got off to a rocky start in Columbus when we were uh, selling merchandise for uh, for a guy. But uh, it's all worked out. And uh, value our friendship today. And I, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day today in beautiful salt lake to hop on the suboptimal craptastic wchl podcast and i'm glad that you're part of our conference um even if we have to explain the rankings uh every wednesday um <laughs> and i'm uh, also looking forward to uh, uh seeing aj and coach feeney and the rest of the skating youths at the centene community ice center in march Absolutely, that'll and be, that'll uh, be fun. Maybe you'll bring bring another team with you too. The other. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Our goal is to have have to charter the whole Southwest flight from Salt Lake to St. Louis and bring bring the entire organization because all three teams qualify. That would be pretty awesome. Now you would be running around like a chicken with your head cut off at St. Louis, but because uh, uh, you, you'd have you know three teams to babysit as opposed to just one, but that would still be pretty good for uh, for Utah and Utah hockey. Agreed. All righty, A.J. Bolden, thank you so much for taking some time. Uh, but, hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Yeah, Chance the Rapper, let's do that hockey. Hey, we want to thank A.J. Bolden for taking time out of his evening to speak to us here on the WCHL podcast. 
he's a uh, he's a good guy and uh, he's doing a lot of good stuff there for utah doing a lot of good stuff for hockey in the uh, in the american west I want to thank you for listening to this uh, suboptimal edition of the wchl podcast and uh, just want to say thank you very much for uh, listening and also for caring about the ACHA, for caring about the WCHL, for the teams that are in the conference, for the players that make up those teams. They don't get enough light uh, shined their way. So uh, we w- I want to appreciate each and every one of you for uh, suffering through another one of these things. Uh, we don't have too many more games left uh, here in this uh, fall semester, so get out to the rink. Enjoy them while you can. If you can't get to the rink and see them in person, log in, watch most of the games. Uh, they're available on YouTube. Uh, or some other places. Follow the WCHL on Twitter at Western CHL. Follow the WCHL pod on Twitter at WCHL pod. I'm on Twitter as CJP in OKLA. Actually, I'm probably more on threads and blue sky now than Twitter, but it's st- still the same CJP in OKLA. And uh, yeah, give us a five-star review. Tell people how much you like it. Tell people how much you don't like it. A couple of thumbs up, whatever it is. Spread the word. Um, we always joke around about how we have uh, 11 listeners plus that one guy in the Vatican. Uh, but um, you know what? Uh, I know we have a lot more listeners, and so we appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks for everything that you do to support uh, the teams and to support the players and for listening to this cheesy little podcast. Let's get on out of here. And uh, until then, we want everybody to stay safe. We want everybody to uh, stay warm. And we hope to see you at the rink coming up soon. Take care.